top of the morning to you on this sultry Saturday. You know, I'm sitting here this morning and there's a little bit of vitamin D that's peeping through the window pane. Oh, that's a beautiful thing when we can go out and we can absorb a little vitamin D in our bodies, all natural. So, you know, as I'm sitting here this morning and I'm having my green tea and honey and I'm just really feeling invigorated this morning. You know how you just wake up some of those mornings and you just feel wonderful, marvelous, fantastic. Well, that's me this morning. And I want to tell you why I'm so excited. You can hear it in my voice because for several weeks, I say now, what about four or five weeks? I've been going through a transition in my body. I've had an illness. I've had a deliverance. I've had an unfamiliar spirit that had been hovering over me and it had me feeling not so good. But at the same time, it was birthing something good. Oh, I hope somebody grabbed that. But I got to tell you today. Now, I'm I'm, going to say this. And I know when I say this, sometimes it don't always happen that way. But I'm going to definitely try to be brief. But I was sitting here. And the Lord started dealing with me about some things. You know how you know how it is when you get up and you start talking and, and, and people don't realize. Let me, let, me, let me say this. When you are meditating in your mind, who are you talking to? Are you talking to yourself? Are you talking to God? Are you talking to an omnipresent spirit? Have you ever have you ever asked yourself that question? When you sit by yourself, to yourself. Well, I hope somebody grabbed this. And you begin to meditate and you begin to think and you begin to have thoughts. Who are you targeting those thoughts to? Who are you really targeting those thoughts to? Because you're not talking out loud and no one could hear you and you're reasoning in your mind and you're processing things and you're thinking on things and you're seeking answers. Where do you think that comes from? What do you think you're supposed to do when you find yourself in your thought process? Who do you think is carrying those thoughts? The best, the better question. Who do you think orchestrates those thoughts? Mm. Who do you think? Where do you think those thoughts even come from? Do you think they come From the intellect of your being, do you think they come from your challenges and changes throughout your life that makes you sit down and think? But when you sit down and think and you start trying to reason with getting answers, why is that? Is it to be transformed? Is it to be changed? Why are you weighing your thoughts against your thoughts? And who motivates that? Is it come from your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit? Well, this morning, I want to try to be brief and give five tools, five tools to assist you with mental motivation. And these five tools we know are going to be five words. Now, I'm going to tell you these five words. The first word is going to be trust. The second one is trust. 
This first one is truth. I'm sorry. First one is truth. The second one is trust. The third one is sharing. The fourth one is shame. And the fifth one, we're still dealing in the number five. It's work. And we're not just talking about punching a clock. So hang in here with me. Now, as I do this breakdown from each word, I just want to share just some little tidbits that I had noted while I was just sitting here. I actually noted them in my phone notes because this is how God ministered to me. Now, let me encourage you. See, a lot of people was journaling and journaling is really, really good. But that mean every time you get ready to journal, you got to run and get some pencil and paper. But I don't know what type of phone you have. But if you got notes in your phone, well, I hope somebody grabbed this. I love this feature in our phone. It's not an app. It's a feature. Well, it might be both, but I love it because when I'm sitting here and I don't have to consume trying to recall and retain things in my memory because I just sit here and I just put them in my notes. And so when I woke up this morning, the Lord started dealing with me on these five words. And that first word he came to me was shame. And, you know, I was just in my thoughts. I was in my thoughts and I was in the kitchen and I was fixing my tea and, 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 and actually a, a, a bowl of honeycomb. And, and I said, shame. I said, what's, what's that about, God? This is how me and God communicate. He said, so many people are wounded because of shame. I said, hmm. Yes, we are. And, I, and God, then God reminded me of myself talking to someone. And I said, you know, one of the things that I know, that I know about myself that liberates me. Oh, I hope somebody grabbed this. Is that I carry no more shame. I used to. But when I stopped carrying shame, I became liberated from a whole lot of stuff that used to make me feel some type of way. But we're going to go in this order as God set me down and had me to, to, to go, starting with number one truth. Remember now, these are five tools to assist you with mental motivation. And and, and when you are motivated, it's always to make moves that matter towards your good. I hope somebody grabbed that. When you are motivated, it's always to make moves that matter toward your good. Do we get that? Okay, we got that. Now, these five tools, five words, trust. Let me tell you how you can become mentally motivated to get free. It's when you own your truth. You may not believe this because for so long you may have practiced concealing your truth. You may have practiced because you have told the truth and the truth caused confusion. And the truth made people who you love fall out with you. But let me tell you something. People who really, really know how to love. Because see, everybody use that word, don't know how to exercise it. They just know how to use it. But, and then they don't know how to exercise it 
to the true essence of what it means. Let me put that that way. There are a lot of people who use the word love, but they don't really know how to love in the true essence of the meaning of the word. So when people say they really love you and they understand the essence of love, then they will want truth from you. They will want to receive the truth even if it hurts. Because the power of truth is empowering. Well, I hope somebody grip grip this. The power of truth is empowering. You will never know the authenticness of the love of someone if you never tell them the truth. Because then they're dealing with you from choices that's a lie. And if it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. You didn't give that person the free will choice to, to honestly make that decision to be a part of your life. It's based upon deception. So you want to you want to definitely own your truth. Hiding from words and ways that you have is like carrying on your back, your neck, in your guts a guilt. And see when you're always hiding this guilt because you're not honest, you're not truthful. It's like you have this emotional heart that's like a bad affair. Like you you know people that have affairs. They consider that because one or somebody is either married or already in a relationship and they sneaking around. And when people don't own their truth, to me now, I'm just giving this hypothetical example. It's like having a bad affair with someone who does not strive to value you cheating with them. That's like you cheating with somebody, but they don't value that you are taking a risk. And this is what happens when we engage ourselves in relationships where we choose to be dishonest. It's that person don't value us taking a risk and being in their lives. And it's just not about male, female, or female and male and male and male. It also can be about mother, sister, brother, auntie, uncle, cousin, nephew, nieces, and friends. And even your enemies. Own your truth. You may not believe this. But but honestly, honestly, honesty, honesty, honestly, honesty. I said it correct. Honestly, honesty is good for the bones and the soul. So that means it's going to always help in our mental motivation. Number two, trust. I got to blow your mind with this trust thing. Understanding trust became a wow moment of revelation to enlighten my truth about trust. Well, I hope somebody grabbed that. God had to enlighten my truth about trust. Because, see, when I first remember reading this scripture from the book of Michael, I think I was in my late 20s, early 30s. And it was Michael chapter 7, verse 5. And it says, Trust not in a friend. And I had a boyfriend at the time. And it said, Put not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of your mouth 
from her that lieth in thy bosom. Now, you know, and, and, and this is the amazing thing about in my younger days. When I would sit, like I asked you at the initial of this podcast, when you sit with your thoughts and you thinking and you all by yourself. Well, this was one of those times. And this is what I used to do, even from being young. I, I, I mean, I lived a sinful life, but I always sought godly counsel from the word. That's why when I started this ministry, what did God say? It was more than just the name. It was very profound because that's how I lived based upon many choices and decisions. I didn't ask nobody. I didn't call and seek nobody. We didn't have this Google search and all this stuff. I would just sit in my mind and I would talk to God. And I and, and whenever I had this question, I would always drop my Bible open. I would go to my Bible and let it fall. And where it fall, it's like, seriously, y'all, I know this may sound mystical, but I'm telling you, I lived like that for years until I matured in how to now go to it differently. But back then, I would let my Bible fall open and wherever it fell, that's what I felt my answer was. And if I didn't comprehend that answer, I closed my Bible, let it fall open again. And this was one of those times I had asked God about trusting my boyfriend. Oh, I hope somebody get this. So, you know, I knew he, I felt that he was unfaithful. And so I, I let my Bible drop open and it fell on that scripture. It said, trust ye not in a friend. I was like, ooh, well, wait a minute, God. He said, don't even, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't put no confidence in them. Guard your mouth. And all I could think about when you have that pillow talk, you know, that pillow talk, when you tell everything in your guts and down in your soul and the stuff that just, all this stuff. But he got the word said, even keep the doors of my mouth from this man that lay in my bosom. I was like, mm, wait a minute. I said, I asked God, I said, but, but wait a minute, God. I said, I, I said, but why do they tell us or why do they say to us? Why do they, they literally traditionally teach us? Listen to this, y'all. You got to get this. They literally traditionally teach us that we should establish trust in our relationships. Now, so you know me, I'm thinking like, why the world tell you what the first thing you need to do when you go in these relationships is establish trust. So I said, well, well, wait a minute. That don't match. If you're telling me in your word, don't even do that. Then so how am I supposed to trust people? Let me blow your mind how God blow mine. <laughs> then God said, God said, right you are. He said, people do teach that. He said, they do say that. He said, but that's not what I say. He said, so and if you do what I say, you're going to be happier and healthier. So to learn this understanding is what God told me. He suggests obey my word. When you enter people's lives, it's not your job. It is not your job. Listen to this now, y'all. To decide if you need to trust them. Mm. This was deep now. I said, wait a minute, God. He said, no, that's not your job. Your job is to trust me. I said, wow. 
He said, your job is to trust me and me only. He said, what I say is to trust no one but God. And, and, and so what God said, as you trust me, as you put your trust in me, no matter who enters your life, God said, I will always have angels to keep charge, to reveal whether or not what they saying and doing is true. I said, mm. He said, I will reveal whether they love you or whether they hate you. God said, I will reveal that. You, he said, you don't have no need to consume time and energy trying to measure or give out these little mind tests, testing people to see if they untruthful. He said, uh-uh, that, that's, that's not your job. See, because once you learn to trust me, well, I hope somebody get this. Then I'll reveal. So God said, it's not about trusting them. It's about trusting me. And he said, as you trust me, you trust people through me. I said, wow, God. He said, so it's not you trusting them. It's you trusting me. And I, as you trust me, you're trusting them through me. Oh, I hope somebody grabbed that. I said, mm. So, because God said, I'm the one leading and guiding and orchestrating. So, as you trust me, I'm the one that'll reveal who can be trusted in your life. It's not your job. To trust in them is your job to trust in me. So as I see, God said, as I see, as I see them doing wrong by you, I will reveal to you. He said, I will definitely show you. So all you got to do is trust me. I said, Ooh, that make it easier. <laughs> so you don't have to be digging. Let me tell you how liberated I became. I I never had to look for another cell phone. I never had to try to listen, peek, hear. I'm going to tell you how liberated I became. Now, although I read this in my late 20s, let me tell y'all something. I had to keep going back to this. Because, see, you know I had to get delivered. It It didn't come overnight. It didn't come just because I read it. Let me put it that way. It came some years later and I was sitting and I remember it was in 2000 and I think it was 2008. Yeah, that's when I got my my first divorce. And I remember I had a date. Me and my husband still married. We were supposed to be playing this date. But I remember someone had passed away in my hometown and I didn't know it at the time, but I heard he went to the funeral with another female. But I was sitting there dressed and waiting on that date. And I remember when I text and text and text and called and called. And then I kept saying, God, why am I doing this to myself? Every time I open myself up, y'all know y'all done been there and to trust this person. And every time I would say that, God said, but you keep 
not listening to me. You're not supposed to open yourself up to trust that person. You're supposed to open yourself up to trust me. And you keep doing the wrong thing. You're not supposed to put your trust in him. You're supposed to put your trust in me. And didn't I tell you how many years ago I will reveal this to you? You still ain't got it. So this particular day, I remember going in my bathroom. And it was in this kind of summary moving toward the fall. And I laid on my floor, y'all. I laid there and I cried and I prayed literally for life somewhere between five to seven hours. And in that praying and crying, I truly was asking God to deliver me. I said, Lord, I want you to deliver me. I want you to deliver me from anything inside of me that trusts a person that I don't need to put my trust in. They don't deserve my trust. I said, Lord, I want you to deliver me from any unfruitful, unhealthy emotions. I want you to deliver me. And I never forget when I got off the floor that the, after those hours, God said, now I want you to go in your closet. I want you to take out something to wear to church. I'm like, church? I ain't been in church in about two, three years. What church? God said, I'll lead you in the morning. And true enough, he did. I got up the next morning and I went to this church and and as I was led and that church was closed and and they went out of town. They had a sign on the door. Then I seen a sign on the street that told me uh, this church down this street because I lived in this little small city. And I went down the street to that church and I didn't see no building and I'm just looking and somebody walked past me. And they said to me, they said, are you looking for this church? And I said, yes. And they said, well, that church burnt down a while back. And 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 they not having church right now. So I said, okay, God. Now I done got up and got dressed and you know put my little makeup on and fixed my hair, trying to think I'm looking all cute. And I, and I said, now, now I know I know you told me when I got up off that floor last night to, that I was going to church today. So anyway, I said, okay. So I asked, I, I told a lady, I said, thank you. And she said, but uh, if you looking for a way out, because I was gonna back up and go back the way I came, because I didn't want to get lost. She said, if you keep going straight. She said, you can, you can get out that way. She said, you go straight. You can either, she said, and then just turn. So, you know, she didn't tell me to turn left or right. So when I get to the stop sign, I turn right. And as I turn right, I end up at a dead end, but there was a church to the right. And I said, mm, well, I ain't about two or three cars. But the spirit compelled me to say, okay, well, you'll be the other car. Go in there. And I went in and they was having Sunday school. And I didn't know the person teaching Sunday school was the pastor until afterwards when church started. And the same man that would teach Sunday school ended up getting in the pulpit to preach. But I want to tell you something that happened to me. On that Sunday when I went to church, I learned what that scripture meant to put my trust in God. He guided me to that church because I trusted what he told me the night before. And that's how I learned to trust. Not trust in people, but trust in God. And God would reveal the right kind of people and the wrong kind of people to you. And you don't have to burn that energy. But from that day to now, I never look for that man again. 
I never look in his, tried to look in his phone. None of his information. I made up in my mind I was going to trust God. And let me give you something real profound to tell you. When I did that, you know what ended up happening? After that, it's like was miracles. God put every lying, deception thing in my face without me even looking. Without me even looking for anything. Everything started being revealed. It was so amazing. I remember sending them to the bank one night and I asked them, I said, when you go to this bank, withdraw me out. This is my personal $300 and then go by the package store and get this right here. Okay. They were supposed to be in a place cleaning an apartment in another city on a job that I know they were working on. They were supposed to stop by the bank where we normally use. But let me tell you what ended up happening. I got to tell y'all this right quick because this, this is amazing how I'm just letting you know how when you trust in God, you can liberate and free yourself of mental stuff that, that can motivate you. So so anyway, they went, they did that. They brought me the money. They, they bought the stuff we drank and, you know, whatever. And a month later, I was sitting down because I collect all my receipts for my banking transaction. And I match them up with my bank statement where I used to. And I would check them off. So anyway, I had put that, that receipt they gave me with my money to the side so when I check off of my statement. So when I was checking off my statement a month later, I said, whoa, wait a minute. You know, it had on the receipt where the deposit was drawn from another city way past our house. They had to leave from one place, pass where we live, and go to another place. And I thought, well, wow, isn't that strange? This is, and that's where they were having an affair with that lady in that city. And somewhere in their mind, they didn't even think about it because I didn't think about it either. You're withdrawing this money at an ATM that's going to reveal your deception. See, this is what God will do. And I'm telling y'all, from that day to this one, every ounce of deception in people, not just a relationship, like I said, with your spouse, but in people, Period. God will begin to reveal to you when you put your trust in him. Let me move on to number three. Sharing, 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 sharing. Sharing is a beautiful way for us to see each other's hearts. It's a beautiful way for us to see each other's heart of love. Sharing should not be viewed as a requirement. I want to help you get your mental motivation together. If you share with people and you think that what you give people, what you do for people, and what you bless people to have, they are required to do something in return. Let me enlighten you. You sharing for the wrong reason. You might as well not even share. I'm telling you, it, 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 it's a, it's a sharing is a cosmetic energy force that's bigger than us. That's why when you share, you must share in the right spirit. You must not do it begrudgingly. I'm telling you, it's important that even in the scripture, it says, be a cheerful giver because whatever you release, I want y'all to get this. If you release it in a way 
that you think is for good, but you got negative, nasty, intentional motives, let me tell you something. That's how it's going to come back to you. Somebody's going to return it to you the same way. It is very important how you share because sharing is one of the most beautiful things and ways we can see each other's heart. See, see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking, but then your actions and conduct also aligns with that. You know me, I talk about conduct and character. So sharing should not be viewed as a requirement, but a desire. If you're sharing with someone, you should desire to do that. And a desire to help someone out. You're helping out someone else. That's truly a welcome. That's a welcome discreet. Even God say in the Bible, we should not make declarations of what we did to help somebody. That's scripture. Just like a cheerful giver. You know, I teach I teach mentor from biblical fundamental truth. So it's important when you have a desire to help someone, you should do it with a welcome discreet. Your description of sharing with someone, it should be an inward reward. The most important thing, as I said before, about sharing, it should always be done with a cheerful spirit and a clear understanding that you should do it with a cheerful spirit. (laughs) You should have a clear understanding of your knowledge that this is your kindness and your purpose of a divine act. See, sharing is not about Oh, I'm going to help this person because they asked me. You got to see it for what it is. It's a divine act that if God compels you to do it, that's why I never could understand people. When if God compels you to help somebody, then you should not harbor helping. Oh, I hope somebody got that. If you got to sit down and roll call everything you did, then guess what? You didn't divinely do it. Oh, I hope somebody grabbed that. God did not lead you. And I can't stand when people say, oh, well, I just, God touched my heart to bless them. But the first time you get mad with them, you want to roll call everything you did for them. God did not tell you to help them. That's a lot. Now, you may have chose to help them out your flesh. But it was not of God. When God encourages us to share, there was a kindness of purpose. That's, dri- that's a driven act and it's done without looking for or forward to anything in return. You just release it. Ooh, and it's over. You're not looking for anything. You're not looking for anything in return. Now, moving on to the next one. Because I know time is winding up. The next one. From sharing to shame. Shame. And that's remember I said that's where it started from this morning. Shame. Shame is considered. A painful feeling of humiliation. Or distress. 
Shame is caused by a consciousness. So you got to think. If you got a consciousness, this is not subconscious. This is not superconscious. This is a conscious awareness that you got in your head, as I tell people, that's sitting on your forehead all the time, off and on, that you thinking about how wrong or foolish your behavior were. And see, the thing about shame, I try to encourage people. It is, it, it, we all going to encounter shame. Listen, you are not the only person, trust me, to ever encounter shame. We all encounter shame because in our conscious mind, we all have done something wrong or foolish in our behavior. But this is the healthy part about shame because shame, since it's inevitable that we're going to encounter shame, we have to decide is we're going to deal with it in a healthy or unhealthy way. Now, when you deal with shame in a healthy way, that means you don't wallow. And if y'all don't know what wallow means, you don't wallow in shame. Wallow means you just going to roll over. You just going to lay down and relax in it. No, 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 no. You're not going to do it that way because what happens when you wallow and you lie and you roll around and constantly reminding yourself of your wrongdoing, your shame, it creates a loss of respect or esteem, not just toward other people. Believe this now, but even to yourself. Well, first and foremost to yourself, but then it'll start acting out among other people. And you'll find yourself dishonoring people. You'll find yourself saying all kind of old jacked up, tore up, and messed up stuff to people. That's when you need to examine your ways. That's why I love that scripture. Let a man examine his ways. Why are you acting like that? Why when you get angry, you act like that? A lot of times it's created and motivated by an inward shame that people have not dealt with in a healthy way. Shame is used to reprove someone. And so when people have dealt with relationships where every time somebody get angry, they would say all kind of hurtful, low down, dirty things to you. Then after so long, you unhealthily took that shame. And that's why I said then it created from the disrespect you got. It created you to start disrespecting other people. Because somebody broke down your self-esteem and then you didn't never deal with it in a healthy way. Then you find yourself breaking down people's self-esteem. Shame. It's a painful feeling of humiliation. Distress. And shame will make you be ashamed. It'll cause someone to feel ashamed. Because as you become, you don't deal with your shame. You start making other people, you make them feel ashamed. You make them feel inadequate. You, by acting out and, and, doing, and, 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 and doing things to try to surpass them, that comes from your shame. See, when we sharing or carrying shame, it should be addressed. It really should, people. I'm just saying And when we address it, it should preferably be done in a healthy manner. It should be done in a healthy manner to avoid being stuck and stagnated for life. When you carry shame, so many people, listen, they have died carrying shame. Shame will have you stuck and stagnated if you don't deal with it in a healthy way. 
And let me tell you something. Shame is not just, because I like to point these things out. It is not just about a male and a female, or a male and a male and a female and a female. However, it's not just about intimate relationships and people making each other feel bad. There are some people who carry shame from traditional ways of lifestyles. Traditional ways of lifestyle. I remember my Korean friend when I went to her house years ago and they had two kitchens. And I said, why you got two kitchens? She had one kitchen, a full kitchen, literally, I kid you not, beautiful home, beautiful home. But she had one kitchen built outside on the back porch, full kitchen, stove, refrigerator, everything, just like the inside. And she told me because of the odor and the aroma from from seasonings that they use when they're cooking. I said, oh, okay. So traditionally, you know, people carry different levels of things that that they that they try to change. Some people carry shame from educational levels. Some people literally carry shame from educational levels. Just because they may not have gotten a high school diploma, GED, they went to college, or they went to technical school. Some people in certain settings carry shame. And I know this guy. When I first met him, and he would say it, I know, to be sarcastic. Like, if I said something to him, and he, he, and he let me know. This is a phrase he used to let me know he was not void of comprehending. He would say, I'm not a GED brother. And the first time he said that, I I didn't reply. I didn't respond. But the second time he said it, because I saw that it was a common phrase, you know what I asked him? Why you say that? What that mean? What does that mean? You not no GED brother. What does that mean? Are Are you trying to tell me that there's something wrong with GED people? I mean, I, I know some GED people that are very intelligent. I say, and as a matter of fact, I'm a GED person. And they backed up and apologized. But so, see, somebody else could have taken that and felt shameful. Some people carry shame from generational things before they was even born that they family did. People used to say stuff just like when my family, oh, God, I'm putting boys. Uh, they said they was gangsters. Uh, okay. That ain't me, though. You know, and, and, and so people can be shamed of the cities they come from. And every time I would tell somebody what, they said, where you from? And I would tell them, they said, oh, uh-uh. They said, don't go through that city. Uh, it, 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 one, because they said it was prejudice. And two, because they said it was like little Miami. You know, so people start being ashamed and they would tell lies and say, since it's a city in a little small town in Georgia, some people were shamed and they would say they was from the ATL and they ain't never lived there. So, you know, shame. There are many shames. There are many things that make people shame. And people will carry from these actions before they are even born. Some things make people shame. They last name, they family members. Shame is a ruthless attack on your attitude when it comes out in the conduct of our character.
I want you to begin to strive with all your might to get help. If you're walking around in shame, that hidden shame that peeps out, burst out, and act out, I want you to strive with all your might to get you some help, get you some assistance and deliverance from that low-down, dirty shame. Because that's what it is. Shame is low down and dirty. But you know I'm liberated because there's nothing now in my life. See, this is the thing how you get past this shame. When you realize that you can't undo. See, and no matter what behaviors I had in my younger days, I'm at a point, I don't do that stuff anymore. See, that's the first thing. That's the first act of deliverance when you realize, okay, I don't do that no more. Why it bother you? Because it's past me. So when I stopped doing what I stopped doing, it no longer created a disrespect and low self-esteem for me to feel dishonored. I knew whatever had happened all those years ago and all that stuff back in my younger years, you know what? I got deliverance. I'm telling you, when you get delivered, that stuff will roll off your back like water from a duck. And it don't matter what somebody come up and bring up from your past pains, from your past foolish behaviors, from your past wrongs, it won't bother you because you will know that's something you can never undo. But it has no effect in your present. And it definitely definitely does not define your future. So I let it go. If they want to hold on to it, but I carry no shame. I'm not, I don't have a shameful bone in my body and people can bring up whatever they want. Cause if I did it back then, I will agree. I did it. And if I didn't do it, I would make a proclamation. I didn't do it. And if they was confused and didn't understand, I let them know that wasn't me. And if they talking about what I used to used to do, I might have thrown a rock in your window. Well, you know, I ain't throw no rocks and hide my hand because whatever I did, I was bold enough to say it. But I might have went to somebody's door and knocked on it because I, I was bold with that and asked them, uh, can you, excuse me, can you ask my man to come out? I'm just saying. But I knew who house I was going to. You know what I'm saying? It went all silly nilly willy. But the thing is, it still was a conduct out of character. And as my grandma say, when you learn better, you do better. And as I began to do better, you know what? At first, I felt shame because I was like, I cannot believe I allowed my life to go through all them unnecessary changes about somebody that were cheating on me. And I know they were cheating. And that's the crazy part. How come we take ourselves through all these changes for a person who has no, 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 I'm talking about for years, no upright to do right by me. Because money don't make a person do right. No, that's a whole nother teaching. But let me get down to the last one. Number five, work. Work, work, work. And everybody think work is 
about paid manual labor. No, it is not. Let's start right there. Work is not exclusive to being paid money for manual labor from engaging in employment. No, that is not just work. Work is used in many ways. It's used in farming. Is when people go hunting, when they on guard duty, and I'm not talking about paid guard duty. When people stay at home, parenting, that's work. I'm just saying. I worked for years without punching a clock and being paid for my manual labor. For years. Work is when you are able to function for a purpose. Work is when you are able to function for a purpose, for to develop, to adapt, or improve in an activity. In such a way, it involves our mental or physical effort. See, and people don't realize anything you do that involves your physical or mental effort. And you're doing it in a development, adaptation, or improvement. And you're actively involved. You're working. Oh, I hope somebody grabbed that. In order to achieve a purpose for a meaningful result, you're working. And to some people, you know what? It may appear like a simple task. Oh, well, they just went to the store for me. No, but that's working. Oh, I hope somebody grabbed this. It can, yes, it can appear as a simple task for someone. However, when good and moral deeds, and I want you to get these words, when somebody does something, even if it looks like a task, but if it's a good and moral deed, and it's the action of a specific person, that's work. Let me tell you something. My own children can testify to this. The act of a good and moral deed. If they go by and pick me up a plate, I want to try to pay for it. I want to try to thank them. And sometimes I want to try to bless them. Just give them some extra. Because I know what they did will work. You don't understand. The plate might have been $10, but I want to give them $15. Because they put in some work. Do they ask me? No, they don't. But they worked. And see, this is what we got to get rid of. All these mentalities where we think when somebody do something for us. That because it's not paid manual labor and punching a clock, it's not work. But that's not true. Working is not always working on a job. Or getting a job done. And now some people can get a job done and they still ain't working. Because they're not always working with good work and care. My grandma used to talk about that. She called it slut leak. You know, when you go in there and do something that somebody got to still come behind you and do it again. So, you know, that was exerted unnecessary energy. You know, when you say, if, 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 you know, when you slut leak, you have cleaning. 
That's what they used to call it, you know, for us. But there are various ways to choose work, people. To be continuously working. Understand that working is not always nine to five. Punching a clock or pushing a title button. When we are committed to working and we are working on different things, People, I didn't realize how much work was involved just sitting down trying to type up a book. That was a lot of work. I didn't realize how much work even invested in the podcast. When I come on and I do a podcast, it's working. Work come in many ways. When people sit down and do music, when people sit down, because anytime you have purpose, remember? When you have purpose and a willingness and you're actively doing something to develop, develop something in your life, somebody else's life, or even a task to help someone, you're working. Hopefully, these five, and like I say, you know me with my time, and sometimes I get to rolling, but hopefully these five mental motivational tools will assist you And they will strengthen your mind and they will motivate you to start thinking about ways to make moves that matter most. And that's starting from your mindset. People, it's important that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Everything that's good that comes into our lives, it is orchestrated by the choices of our mindset. And the more clear, conscious, solidified choices that we make, the less shame we'll have. The less shame we'll have. The less wrongdoing we do, the less shame we'll have. And that's why I'm good at saying, you you can't say or do anything. You cannot say anything about my past to make me feel ashamed. I'm sorry. If that was your goal, it's too late. It doesn't work anymore. And you can get on national TV and tell it. I'm just saying. It happened. Oh, well. But it did not make me a bad or bitter person. And that's the first thing in your healthiness, in your mental, motivated, awareness mindset. You have to ask yourself that question. Did your shame make you a bad and bitter person? And I thank God that it did not do that. Because I relied a lot on what did God say. You all have a beautiful, blessed day. And as always, may the blessings from heaven flow, flow, flow down into your lives. Meet all of your needs, even the things your heart desire. And remember, if you can start activating those five things, you continue to be blessed. And you will prosper and be in better health. Because that's what they're for. The mind always strengthens everything else in your body. And until the next podcast upload, you all have a glorious, wonderful, beautiful, blessed day. And until the next time, bye for now.